0: Uh, welcome back to serving up cinema um i've got a good friend of mine here Coulter angel
1: Hello.
0: Hey, welcome to the show man thanks man so uh Colter and i we met um PA-ing on a show together yeah tell tell everybody what you kind of do what you've been up to i guess
1: I consider myself a freelance filmmaker that's 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 as best i could describe it the that's right the tag. My, yeah I write in my uh the the writer is the is the occupation but everything else is you know what I do to uh prevent writer's block.
0: fair enough yeah it's always good like being on a set you know new set different story I guess
1: yeah meet new people and uh make contacts and stuff like that like for instance this uh contact right here
0: absolutely and you know I I think, like, you know, film sets are really good ways for creative people. Like, even if you're, like, I don't know, we've both done several jobs that, like, have not been our cup of tea, Yeah, you know. pretty much all of them. Yeah, (laughs) especially being a PA, man, it's tough. But, yeah, just kind of keeps us in the swing of things, meet other creative people, collaborate on projects and stuff. I mean, that's all this podcast has been, you know, just like other people who I know who – are into film and want to talk about it and that's why we're here what's the last
1: movie you guys talked about on this
0: so the last episode uh we recorded uh spider-man no way home and then from there it's just like you know a big hot button movie to talk about so i
1: I only saw that movie because of you oh really yeah how did you feel about it i mean it was fine
0: yeah i mean
1: yeah superhero movies go that's you know i they did it really well
0: yeah um i
1: enjoyed being around a bunch of people that enjoyed it
0: yeah that's true too the theater experience is really nice um i had a really good uh theater experience myself
1: well yeah we uh the set we were working on got uh shut down because of covid as you remember and did you go that day I went that day. I went to go see Nightmare <laughs> Alley, and I was like, I got some time. Uh, I'm gonna, go, I'll just like go get like a vegan hot dog, and and then I'll go, I'll go to Spider Man and see what Britain was talking about.
0: Oh, that sounds like a pretty good day. Did you like uh, Nightmare Alley too?
1: Yeah, it was it was well done. I like I like I like Del Toro. Like he's one of the he's one of the, like five or six directors that like no matter what, if he comes out with a movie, I'm gonna go see it, even if people told me it was bad. Like I support him, Really? Paul Thomas Anderson. Like if he comes out with a movie, I go see it. Certain certain directors, I don't miss.
0: Okay, well, so yeah, Paul Thomas Anderson. Today we're talking about uh, Licorice Pizza. Um, if you didn't know, it just came out uh, December. I guess it was early December. Came out.
1: So he he did this slick with. Uh, he came out like uh, Thanksgiving Day, but he only. Released it in two theaters in the world. Oh, it was
0: Westwood. They one in Westwood, film, right?
1: Yeah, I think it was at the Fox Theater in Westwood Village,
0: oh, and then okay.
1: the other one was in New York City. Um, oh, cool! So if you saw the signs around LA, like a lot of people were, and you thought, "Oh, that's coming out like this Thursday or this Friday,"
0: yeah,
1: you couldn't find a, a ticket to it unless you went to those two theaters. And being okay. AMC A lister, you couldn't go see it for another month.
0: A-list, you got to go when when it's cheap. Yeah, exactly. So we didn't get
1: to see it for, you know, we we could have gone to the Westwood, but, you know, we wanted to wait and have the experience at the AMC. My wife only uh, will go to the movies if we have reclining seats.
0: Um, you know, I went to the Universal City Walk with Caroline the other day because I remembered you talking to me about it. And I was like, OK, I'll go. And she was like, this is the best theater. Like, I love this. And I'm telling like, you, man. I knew you would. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's the only one we go to. We go get Voodoo Donuts right after it if we if we like time it right, because
0: I like Voodoo Donuts, too. Yeah.
1: Sometimes we see the movie too late and it closes at 10 and the line is ridiculous. So You, you have to like time it right.
0: Yeah, because you have to you've got to wait in the line to get your parking validated too. That was annoying.
1: Oh, we didn't wait in. We don't do that. Oh, you mean in the in the car? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But if you have um, a movie ticket, you go it's only five dollars.
0: That's true, yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, Licorice Pizza um came out. Um I'm not I mean, you know, I like There Will Be Blood, but and I like um what else did he do? That I was
1: gonna me? ask how what's what's your uh, PTA, what's your PTA level? Are you you uh, you know his stuff.
0: Um, I know his stuff, uh, some of it off the top of my head, but I get I get lost in like trying to figure out which movies are his because they're all pretty different for the most part.
1: I think he only has like probably has ten, a couple. ten movies in his filmography, but you know, did
0: you like do Magnolia? Part, did Magnolia, Magnolia?
1: Yeah, I like Magnolia. Magnolia. There be blood. Punch drunk love with Adam Sandler. Uh, Heart Eight. So that's like his first one. Boogie Nights. Mm-hmm there's a lot of people that's just amazing yeah uh the master um there will be blood like you said and uh inherent vice and phantom threat
0: so you're you must be a big pta fan huh
1: yeah i like i said any anytime he comes out with a movie it's like appointment viewing as far as i'm concerned i mean. Magnolia like is one of those movies where it's not a perfect movie, but yeah, it's so honest and so authentic with like what it's trying to say that it's really yeah. hard to like not get pulled in. If you if you see it, it's on, you have to you have to
0: like tune in. Kind of have to watch it. Yeah, yeah. I do that too. I remember I used to watch I would watch it when it would come on TV.
1: It's just it'll it just Phil Seymour Hoffman in that movie is
0: just heartbreaking. Like it's
1: it's it's he's he's such a tender character in that movie it's just so hard not to watch him
0: and his son so i i didn't know i mean i guess i didn't do my research on this movie when it came out it was just like oh i like i really like the trailer and i was like i'll go see it and yeah um, i had no idea that that was his son i thought uh, it great
1: on screen debut cooper i think his name is cooper seymour hoffman
0: yeah on screen debut. never
1: yeah. never been on screen before also uh the haim sister i think her name's alana in real life i'm not sure alana but Hame, yeah yeah it's also first on-screen debut for her i mean pretty amazing on-screen yeah, debuts for both of them really well. it's 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 such a such a charming relationship between the two of them
0: so that's interesting too like i thought i thought the movie was well acted i thought it was well directed it was very like it knew where it wanted you to look, which I yeah. like. Like the frame the way that they framed it and everything. I mean, you always knew kind of where you were going and what was gonna happen, I feel like. But now, the PTA time, was like,
1: a cinematographer on it as well.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. I remember seeing that in the credits. He
1: wrote it, directed it, produced it and and uh and shot some of that's it. That's amazing. Yeah.
0: That is absolutely amazing.
1: He's a real filmmaker. That's what I like love, love about him. Like like I said, McNolia, it's like It's not a perfect movie. It probably goes too long, but even he will admit that. But it's like.
0: But you can definitely tell, like, they put their heart and soul into the project, you know, like they're passionate about what they're doing.
1: Yeah. And one of the things about Liquor's Pizza, I remember in the middle of the pandemic, uh, mid 2020, it's like June, July, or something like that, you know, four or five months into the pandemic. I remember seeing a still for his new project and it was the first time i had gotten excited about a movie in a really long time because the last movie i had seen in the theater was parasite in december and then parasite
0: amazing
1: unbelievable movie but like you know january i started to get worried about the pandemic february i was really worried and then march everything got shut down so yeah you know i stayed in the house and then i just kind of Either watch stuff that people had told me over the years to watch or I just like rewatch yeah. stuff that I had loved. And I showed my wife Magnolia during the pandemic and just I just yeah. fell back in love with his with his movies. I showed her boogie nights, There will be blood. We quote, There will be blood yeah. in our household all the time. Uh but yeah, so I remember seeing a still the, the Bradley Cooper scene where he is at the gas station with the it was
0: great yeah. yeah, with the gas cans.
1: Yeah, with the gas can, and I was like, What? movie is this bradley cooper's dressed in the 70s and he's like at a gas station that looks crazy Uh, i remember that was like so ever since june july of 2020 i've been excited about this movie not really knowing what it was and then like the trailer doesn't give you that much it really
0: doesn't that's what i like about it too that's what i really like it it bites you in yeah
1: Yeah, i mean because i mean these trailers these days they have to be so like detail heavy and like they have to like beat you over the head with like what it's all about it's like you know spoiler alert for no way home like
0: yeah
1: most people know what's about to happen in that movie yeah yeah
0: yeah even if they try to hide it you know yeah like
1: I, i there was still people gasping in the theater but i was like come on you you knew this was about to happen right
0: yeah for sure yeah and that's you know i saw um the the new trailer for the batman and like the first trailer was so good and it didn't give away hardly anything. And then the second one, I'm like, I'm like, you guys, like, you kind of slipped out of your mysterious card, you know? Yeah. Like you, you kind of showed us what's up. And I, that's just like, it's supposed to invite you in, you know? It's yeah. not supposed to tell you the story.
1: Don't, don't tell me the Riddler's going to be in it. I, I want to, I want to, I want to be surprised that the Riddler's in it.
0: Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. I feel the same way. The, the whole licorice pizza thing, like, I thought that's interesting that you knew about that before the pandemic because like this movie just kind of like fell on me like a couple months ago but also I I just moved to LA and I mean I know you're from Tennessee too so like yeah um it's just kind of like you don't hear about movies like that over there you know it's only like Marvel stuff or like whatever big budget is coming out but aside from that I feel like people don't like to go see like like dramas like like character dramas character pieces or like things like that you know like it doesn't like necessarily pay the bills so like i didn't even see licorice pizza coming right crazy to me
1: i texted my brother and sister who both both work in film and both live in nashville and neither one of them knew what i was talking about when i asked if they had seen licorice pizza yet. they didn't know that it was a movie yeah it's a whole nother thing man like you know like when he released the, the the limited release in westwood and new york you know it's like it's a it's a build-up thing you know especially yeah. when the award season come out like you know like i stay on top of stuff like this but like a lot of people probably didn't know until they saw all the billboards all around la what's licorice pizza that's a crazy name yeah. you know and it's kind of got that cool like animated uh like animation like where like you know alana's like like serving oh, up yeah. pizza and you're like what in the-? is this movie
0: yeah it does look cool yeah yeah it's like the 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 um it's very 70s too which yeah. draws an eye i mean it really draws an eye that style
1: but like if you look around you know all around la especially hollywood you'll see like the bus benches that the billboards like the bus benches related. were cool
0: yeah oh uh, they were super cool yeah but
1: in tennessee they don't know what it is
0: no i mean film is not a huge thing you know we're like at the epicenter yeah if you will um but yeah so i guess the the one thing that I kept trying to get on board for, and it seems like uh, at the age that I'm at, it doesn't seem like crazy or like, you know, but like, just like, I guess the age difference at the time, because of the seasons of life that they're in. Yeah. Like I was trying to get on board because I really liked the characters together. I thought they fit together well. And, but it's also really interesting to me how Gary Valentine. Yeah. Gary and then Alana and like they both kind of act there the opposite age, if you will. Like she tended to act a little immature and he was acting more mature than her at times, but also vice versa. When they would like flip that card and they would bring up the age card. Yeah. I just thought it was such a weird, like a weird match that you wouldn't expect at all.
1: So do you, so th- this is the way I look at movies, especially Paul and Todd and the Sanderson movies. There's always yeah. hidden stuff in it like what's the theme of this movie what what is he trying to say you know yeah yeah uh i don't know if you've ever seen the master but it's like very like it, it's a it, you should watch it after this i won't give too okay. much away but yeah I'll put um, it on the list. but like there will be blood for instance it's like all about the the downfalls of capitalism for instance that's true. Or, yeah. you know um so in magnolia is like the importance of forgiveness, essentially, that if you watch that movie, it's like the whole movie is just telling you like the importance of like understanding why you're mad at somebody, why you have this strained relationship with somebody, and why it's best to uh forgive them so this movie yeah. uh it, you know some people could like sum it up by saying like, "Oh, it's steeped in pedophilia, for instance, or you know it's
0: I didn't get that vibe though like you know i didn't feel it It doesn't feel creepy to me but no. it's just kind of like you know he's 15 he's 15
1: right but and like you said he doesn't seem 15 because he like he understands how to uh manipulate situations to get his way and leverage his fame or pseudo fame in order to you know start a pinball arcade business for instance
0: i mean he's um, an entrepreneur for sure yeah. Like but the whole movie how he accomplishes it you know
1: if you look at it from this lens the yeah. whole movie is about power structures okay and how yeah so yeah. it's 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 about leveraging leveraging like for instance gary valentine he he leverages his fame in order to, to even talk to alana alana is clearly interested in you know a, a life outside of her own life which is her you know traditional jewish upbringing yeah um and you see that when she's sitting next to uh gary on the plane and then lance the the more famous more uh age-appropriate actor comes up and basically just like swoops in and she's interested in him and that's that starts a whole like love triangle between the three of them that only ends when he admits that he is an atheist and he you know isn't part of the you know the jewish uh culture and ends
0: up that scene was hilarious kicking
1: himself out of her her own life
0: it was really funny and i I love i love the i love that kid that plays lance too um his name always slips me too but i really liked him in santa clarita diet like i i like just his mannerisms and like he's kind of goofy by nature and he like wasn't that much older than gary either they were like the same age like they were equals yeah but you would is
1: think she, that he probably is of age i think they don't i don't remember yeah. i don't think they ever said his age but he's probably I don't think they
0: did either yeah
1: it's insinuated that she is 25 and gary is 15 um and i think i believe lance is like age appropriate
0: probably like 18 19
1: right ish. but it's like even not even lance but like sean penn's character for instance Completely. She latches like, on
0: to him too. Yeah. That's what I would get annoyed with her. I was like, I'm waiting for you to learn your lesson. You know, like this isn't gonna work. Like this is over and over. You well, know? it's all
1: about the power, man. It's all about who who has the power over her. Like she's she's in that casting audition and she's you know lying the whole time, but she's like using her sex sexuality in order to get this part. And then when they're at the restaurant, like Sean Penn's using you know, his fame, his, you know, his mysteriousness, his, like, his darkness to, to, in like, have her, like, sucked in. I mean, like, that, if you watch it from that perspective, like, you can't not think about, like, who's winning the game.
0: Yeah, that's really fair. Like, even if I, if I would take a, just take a general scene and I kind of put that twist on it. Like it does make sense. Like yeah. how how uh, Gary and Alana and all of them they go into um, Barbara Streisand's house to. This is the best install scene of the whole movie. A waterbed, yeah, to install a waterbed, and they leverage the power that they have by being able to get into the house to yeah. like make a mockery and ruin the place because Bradley Cooper is like off the insane. Off the Whose
1: name? Yeah, that is a. He's based off a real person a real real life hairdresser for barbara Streisand who real life dated barbara Streisand and a bunch of other starlets and he's like infamous john peters for for being yeah. just a quirky like insane like uh womanizer in the 70s and 80s in hollywood and apparently they uh paul thomas anderson had to get his permission john peters the real life john peters's permission yeah. To base a character off of him. And he agreed to do it under the condition that Paul Thomas Anderson wrote his favorite pickup line for picking up women.
0: Oh my God, that's amazing.
1: And I don't know which one it is, but there is a yeah. couple really good ones. Like he asked the tennis the tennis uh, players that walk by uh if if, if they like peanut butter sandwiches. <laughs>
0: I forgot, man. That's so funny, and like that was the hinge. Like that was like, all right, if you do this, like you got me.
1: Yeah. He and he asked Alana something, uh, when what her birthday is or what her sign is or something like that. So he
0: does ask her what her sign is. It's
1: it's fun to like figure out which one his, his his was his favorite pickup line. Like which one was this?
0: Yeah, that's hilarious. It's so
1: funny. Man. speaking of which that whole scene where alana has to drive the gas empty back backwards. truck backwards yeah in encino apparently that was all real stunts done by her no stunt coordination nothing that was all done by her
0: so she she literally drove the truck
1: back. drove the truck the whole the whole thing was all done by her
0: oh my gosh
1: yeah on screen debut, I would have flipped
0: that thing over. I mean, box <laughs> truck, PA driver. over. I would have flipped that thing over going backwards.
1: Yeah, I know. I know a couple of people that should never drive a, a truck again.
0: Gosh, I can't believe that. I yeah. didn't know that.
1: Wow. Yeah, all, but that's the thing about this movie, man. It was shot during the pandemic. So it's like, you know, you and I both know that there's a lot of uh, restrictions about making movies now. And yeah, yeah. because there's so much added uh um expense because of covid testing and just like just being ultra ultra safe
0: the protocols and all that yeah
1: you know there's it's making movies is different now than it used to it's, be it like. it
0: limit it like limits you in what you can yeah.
1: like back in the day or you know pre pandemic you you make that scene you're like there's no way our co-star is driving this truck you know we're going to hire a stunt driver stunt coordination we're going to have All this going on, but the thing about this movie that I that I love the most is that it's really intimate. And what I mean by that, that it feels
0: really real to me. You know,
1: well, yeah, because well, for instance, Paul Thomas Anderson. If people don't know, married to Maya Rudolph. Maya Rudolph is in a in a very brief scene at the uh, like twenty minutes in. She's one of the casting directors when Gary walks in. Tries to tries the suit on the Sears thing. We find out that Gary's probably aging out of you know being this charming actor that can do yeah. these like scenes. Like he, the scene that I'm describing is like he puts on this suit and he's supposed to be like really fast with the suit and shows how you can reverse it and stuff like that. But he's he's aged out of it, so it's no longer charming. It's kind of like it's, it's kind the, of weird. Yeah, it's, it's a little like awkward to watch because he's just at that age where it's like you know 15 where it's like it used to be cute now it's getting kind of old and he's more interested in like becoming an adult but by rudolph paul thomas anderson's wife the whole um alana's whole family that she you know has issues that's with her
0: actual family
1: actual haim family haim is a is a is a band you know i think it's all three or four of the sisters they all play like music together but that's oh, yeah, her whole I
0: know that yeah, how they like got started in entertainment, I guess. Yeah, yeah. That's
1: like a fairly, fairly famous band called Haim. And it's three or four of the sisters, Alana is one of them, but that's her whole family, like her dad, her mom, her, really all cool. her sisters. Yeah. So that's what I mean. It's like, it's really intimate and it's likely it was intimate because he didn't have a lot of options, especially at the beginning of the pandemic when like, you know, I remember the first time I worked during a pandemic, on a set was december 2020 and it oh, was really? the was most stressful Tennessee? really
0: yeah so it was august
1: <laughs> it was the most stressful thing to work on because we were uh it was an hbo show and it was like the first time that hbo was like actually trying to shoot anything in california and it was in temecula and oh, wow. just about two and a half hours from from here in la and yeah. they were so strict about everything they they were like okay well, we're gonna put everybody in a hotel and you are not allowed to unless you can prove that you're going to set you are not allowed to leave this hotel you we give you a stipend every day you're going to order all your groceries through instacart you're not going home for two weeks like you're, you're staying in this hotel and like watching whatever on the tv unless you're at set and if we find out that you're like going off Going to Target, whatever, we're gonna send you home.
0: That's so, crazy to me, man. That
1: was six months after I saw the still for the chris pizza. So it makes me think like he probably was like, I'm just gonna make, you know, a movie with my family and friends. You know, this I'm sure like yeah. you know, all those actors were probably just like doing favors to him because you know, they either like have worked with him in the past. Like, did you see the John C. Riley uh, cameo?
0: I did. Yeah. 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 I noticed he's,
1: that. The Herman yeah. Monster deal.
0: Yeah. And I was thinking about Boogie Nights.
1: Yeah. I think he's been in almost every Paul Thomas Anderson movie since the beginning.
0: Oh, really?
1: Part I... Eight, Magnolia. Uh, he's in Blood. Uh, yeah. And uh, Boogie Nights. I, I think he's been in almost every one of his movies. It's been a minute since I've seen Phantom Thread. Um, but yeah, it was, it was fun That's to super see his. Cool
0: yeah 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 the Herman Munster line was really funny. Was like, yeah I'm the real Herman Munster like the the whole thing with the waterbed too cracked me up like when they were like trying to sell him the waterbed I was like that was so funny this is yeah. really, like 70s you know
1: well the power structures again like the he he walks into this uh store and waterbeds hadn't been really a thing yet and these guys like sell him on the sex appeal of waterbeds. And he turns around and says, how do, how can I wield this power over other people? And he, he immediately gets that girl Kiki on the bed and he walks around who wants at the, at the expo, like who wants to be famous?
0: Yeah. yeah. And it's like, it was like a teen expo too, which I yeah. thought was kind of interesting. Like he's trying to like, he's running off of these adults who tried to sell these, this 15 year old kid, this waterbed, Right. Yeah. And then he he like takes it and models it into his own version, but he tries to sell it to the 15 year olds as if he was an adult. And that's what I think is kind of like really interesting about Gary is that he, he, he like, he's always watching and listening, you know, he's like a big, like learner and he, he models his behavior off of a lot of the older people that are around him. And then the people that are younger than him, he treats like employees.
1: Yeah. or like That was
0: really interesting too.
1: Or like when in at the end of the movie when he started the pinball place and he walks up to the guy that's like beating up the pinball machine the way he's yeah. playing it and he's oh, like yeah, an adult yeah. and he's like in his mid thirties mid forties and he tries to tell him like hey like stop the pinball machine and he, he, he the guy tells him off and so what yeah. does he do immediately he goes to like a like a ten year old and and kicks him out and he walks out and tells him like they they gotta. No, no 10 year olds are allowed to be in here anymore.
0: That's so funny. Like, and it really makes sense with like still power structures. Like ever since you said that, like, I, I just, I understand, like, it all starts to like really make sense to me. And I hadn't even thought of that in the the first place. I was just kind of like, I guess I was focusing on the story as is. And like, when I left, I was like, you know, like, I feel like not a whole lot really happened like I felt like there were a lot of threads in the story that were just like let loose and we never really saw any repercussions of any of that and at first I was just kind of like you know it's it's very much like a day in the life tale like it's it's like a day in the life story and it puts us in the scenario and like it's like how life revolves around these characters and things like that but then like if you put that spin on it where you talk about the power struggles and like it's more of just like, it's not like a cut and dry story. I feel like it's more of like a illustration.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Like a collage of illustrations.
1: Yeah, and an s- illustration just like the billboard you'll see on, you know, like Santa Monica and Vine, for
0: instance. Yeah. yeah, that's really interesting.
1: Yeah. Well, like, you know, power structures, again, like, what does Alana do when she really like, after the whole uh, box truck ordeal, Right. She sees yeah. a sign for con uh, the the councilman Wax, and she immediately calls somebody up and like, "Hey, can I work?" Because she realizes like, I might be wasting my time with this fifteen year old dude, and like, I want to actually make a difference in the world. Yeah, and I just spent a crazy night with this like insane dude and and all these like teenagers, and and she goes and works for somebody who thinks she thinks has like, difference-making powers, and then what did she yeah. find out? Like, he's playing his own game, you know?
0: Yeah, like, because of the whole ordeal with him and his boyfriend, like, yeah, and, Yeah, that's crazy.
1: Well, like, th- that's a, the best explanation for, like, the power structure theme is when she's in the office of, con- of Councilman whack mm-hmm. and she's about to kiss Brian, who got her the job, and what happens? Phone call, Joel Congressman Councilman Wax calls and says, Hey, I need you to come down to the this this bar that I'm at. She's about to kiss this other guy, and then he calls because you know he wields that power. And she immediately lies to Brian, tells him that, oh, he left his wallet, and then immediately jets down to Encino or wherever they were, and, and goes to meet with the guy that like she thinks has more power. And then Gets stuck in his little web of lies that he is wielding over his own boyfriend.
0: I, I also got something else from that whole scene too, because I think I think a lot of a lot of the film, Alana's trying to make excuses for herself as as to why she doesn't really want to be with Gary.
1: Yeah,
0: and I think she's like she's fighting that kind of like magnetism of love, if you will. Yeah. Um, and then whenever she sees Councilman Wax's uh, boyfriend, I can't remember what his name is either. I'm Matthew. I'm so bad with the names. Matthew. Matthew. Yeah. Um, when, when, she, when she sees Matthew and she sees like how broken he is about like just not even being able to enjoy time with the person that he loves, I think it kind of opens her eyes too to kind of like, you know, he's he's younger than me. Like he doesn't, he may not wield that power. But like what what good is it to have power if you don't have any, anyone who you yeah, care? Exactly.
1: And then the guy with the most power is the is the guy wearing the number twelve shirt who is just watching watching seeing if the guy can slip up, the councilman can slip up because the second that it's found out that he might be homosexual, the yeah. whole like they may now have, you know, ammunition for going against him in any campaign or any sort of political theater that you might yeah. play in.
0: Power struggle. It's yeah. all like that really broke the the movie open for me. Like it's awesome. I appreciate that. I really, yeah. I really do. Well yeah. dude
1: like it watch his movies, man. Like it's all it's always about like broken people in these in these uh in these structures that have been created by either, you know, just Humanity or just, you know, the way the world works. I mean, even Councilman Wax says in the movie, like that's not the way the world works, the way uh to Matthew when Matthew says, I want you to myself.
0: Yeah. Huh. I mean, e- and even even if uh like you have the whole scene with Sean Penn, and for Sean Penn to wield the power over this other guy who who sets up the ring of fire and all of that, like that's Tom Waits,
1: to- the singer.
0: Tom Waits
1: the singer that's yeah Tom Waits the singer is real he's
0: real too right real person
1: uh so the the guy Tom Waits is playing is probably based on a real person um I've read a little bit about it I, I try not to I try to keep mystery um but I did read a couple things about um where he got some of his ideas uh the whole idea between the girl that's um that's, you know, more like 10 years older than like a high school kid that kind of, you know, falls into like a romance the high school kid is based off of like a walk he was, he did like 20 years ago when he was walking by a middle school and he got this idea that, uh, oh, he was walking by a middle school that was doing, that was like picture day. And he got this idea that there was some like cocky high schooler that like was hitting on the, on the girl with the, that was working at the, the photographer uh, taking photos. Yeah, and then okay. you know all of the stuff with Bradley Cooper, John Peters. That was all based off of like a really insane person named John Peters, who was a hairdresser for barbara Streisand. Um,
0: yeah,
1: and then like uh, you know like Licorice Pizza, for instance. Like, do you know what the the history is yeah. about that name?
0: No, like I didn't understand the name at all.
1: Yeah, so if you drive down Ventura Boulevard in uh, in Studio City,
0: okay,
1: uh, you'll see. Uh, a place called licorice pizza um and it's like a really rundown like um kind of vintage looking Uh, it looks really out of place there because it's like right across from like a chipotle and like subway and all that stuff and it's right next to a a barnes and noble that used to be like a, a movie theater um but it's a it's like an old like a 70s um record store and it it's was like called a, licorice pizza. Yeah. And it was like a chain back in, in the day when Paul Thomas Anderson was like growing up in the seventies, you know, he's a, he's a Valley kid. Like he, he grew up in the Valley. Um, yeah. So like, well,
0: his dad, his dad's a famous voice actor.
1: Really? I didn't know that.
0: Whoa. Yeah. He's, he's a very famous voice actor. I had a conversation about this the other day cause I was talking about licorice pizza. Um, uh, a good friend of mine, uh, he works, he works at Disney um, we went, and had lunch the other day and he was, I was talking about licorice pizza and Paul Thomas Anderson and all that. And that's what he was saying. He was like, yeah, his dad is um, I, d- I don't remember what his first name is either. Um, didn't do my research, but uh, <laughs> he he's a famous voice actor and he's done a lot of like um, done a lot of voice work in the fifties and sixties apparently. <laughs> yeah
1: like looney tunes or what i didn't know that
0: no like i think it was like announcing and and things like that i'll have to i'll have to look it up and um is he still alive uh, i don't think so i don't think he's still alive but he's also like the way that rick was talking about him was like it was more he was more he he considered him to be more famous in entertainment than paul thomas anderson oh that makes sense I was like, that doesn't really, like, cause Paul Thomas Anderson, I feel like his, his filmography is very, like, very solid as a filmmaker.
1: Well, it's all generational, right? Like, there's probably That's you you know, too. people in their 60s that probably know his dad better than they, like, probably know his movies. I mean, it's, you know, he's not a, I wouldn't call him a mainstream person. Like,
0: Definitely you know. not mainstream, yeah.
1: I mean, there's a couple people I've had conversations with about there will be blood but like if they don't get that movie. It's just like it's, like, cinematically, it's, it's just a cinematically amazing masterpiece, you know.
0: I um, I'll go. I've been up to the Greystone Mansion a couple times, and that's where the window is where uh commits suicide. I'll, I'll like drive down there and just like look down there. And it's pretty cool. Pretty cool <laughs> shot. <laughs>
1: But yeah, so that's he. I read a little bit about um, why he called it Licorice Pizza, and it was he he wanted to give it the a name that the words that make him made him the most nostalgic. Oh, really? So he used those names, those words because he he thought like, what was the best, you know, what reminded me of my youth, essentially, yeah. going to the licorice pizza record store in the seventies, I guess is what, you know, his, his best memories were. And I mean, that's what, ultimately what the movie is about. Uh, is just like the nostalgia of, of the day. Like, you know, people of a certain age could go watch that movie and be like, Oh, I remember when gas was $40 a gallon. When, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: when that whole <laughs> embargo happened with, which is $40 nuts.
0: dollars a gallon.
1: Like it's hard enough complaining about like you know where it is right now i mean like our gas prices in- now are pretty bad yeah <laughs> like so. i drive a car that that puzzles gas and uh yeah it's like six dollars a gallon is is sometimes a is a, a reality for me but like i, I remember seeing that scene and i was like thank god it's not like that now
0: i couldn't even imagine <laughs> i feel like that would break me i'd be like okay now's the time to go buy a scooter
1: yeah i do i mean we're already in the middle of buying a tesla because of of how bad it is now but yeah um but yeah like that's the thing that i love the most about the movie is that the the journey i had seeing the still you know pre-pandemic or you know middle of the pandemic seeing bradley cooper i was like oh bradley cooper's working paul thomas anderson's making a movie like i'm like i'm so excited because you know you sat in your house for half a year at that point and you're just like yeah is anybody ever going to make another movie like i'm gonna watch everything and by the time this pandemic's over like i don't because we both know how movies are made they they require a lot of close contact they require a lot of logistics a lot of people a lot of people people, especially with background like and you know like you have to be the production has to be as safe as possible and you have to shoot a movie essentially, you know, during a pandemic and it's not easy. Like shooting a reality show in this town in LA in 2022 is near impossible.
0: It's and, pretty brutal. It was, and, yeah.
1: And there's a lot of things that a reality show is, should be easier than making a, a full length movie, yeah. you know? And, and so knowing how hard it is, to make a movie in this time. Like, I remember so vividly seeing that still and I was like so excited. And then going to the movies with my wife and having showed her basically every Thomas Anderson, Paul Thomas Anderson movie over the pandemic, she had never seen any of them.
0: Oh, really? So you guys had like a little marathon, like a...
1: Not a marathon, uh, exactly. But like, you know, like I've seen, everything so
0: yeah
1: you know i i anytime i'm like hey have you seen this to my wife she'll be like of course i haven't seen it i haven't seen anything and i'll be like all right well we're watching this
0: tonight you know well so um like i'm curious to know like uh usually you know after after we just kind of have like a little conversation about the film you know what we liked what we didn't like um i i kind of want to know if there's anything that just was really amiss with you Like, did you, was like stuff that didn't come into fruition for you? Like, it just didn't meet your standard, I guess. Or, and then after that, we can kind of talk about, you know, like, like, what would you grade the movie and would you like encourage people to go see it in the theater? Would you encourage them to like, you know, if they're like cost effective, like if you just wait to stream or like, you should go buy it. Like, how how do you feel about
1: it? Well, not enough Bradley Cooper, but.
0: (laughs) I I agree. I agree. That was one thing. That I thought was gonna there were gonna be like some kind of consequences or repercussions that never happened. And yeah. I was just like, that was something that I would have liked to see come full circle.
1: Yeah, sometimes you don't know what he he's thinking when he, he writes stuff because it's just like, you know, like especially with this movie, because he's basing off of real people. So you're just like, I wanted to I, I wanted to just kind of like highlight how crazy John Peters was. But like I, I just want people to like. I want to highlight it so that people can go look him up afterwards and be like, "This was a real dude," you know. Yeah, um, like he
0: really acted like that.
1: Yeah, um, oh man, I, I've seen it twice, and like I will say, the second time I'm like, you know, I get why maybe some people, you know, some people want a Spider-Man. They want the No Way Home, where it's like, yeah, you know, the Cambellian story structure, where it's like. You know he's dealing with the crisis, and then at the end of the crisis is solved. Whether it you know it's a bittersweet ending or whatever, um, yeah. this this doesn't have that because he ends up. You know Gary Valentine ends up with the girl at the end, like the twenty five year old girl um, who you know finally admits her love for him. Um, so it it depends on what you're trying to go like. If you want to go see a movie with um, ramifications for like its worst players Mm
0: -hmm.
1: maybe not um yeah but if you want nostalgia if you want to just like some silly fun uh, if you want to like see what la looked like in the 70s if you wanted to relive those times if you wanted to like kind of uh you know consider fame as this burden that you can either use as leverage or you could uh, it, it let bury you or define you, for instance. I mean, that's the thing about Gary is that he, there's times where he realizes like, I can't let my fame define me because I have to stay one step ahead of it because I'm a child actor and we all know fair. what happens yeah. to child actors. If they don't figure their own out once they become an adult, then a lot of times they get left dust and they end up you know, with no guidance, they end up yeah. trying to fill a void of, you know, lost childhood. And he stays one step ahead of all that stuff because like, he's, he's a he's, good pivoter.
0: He yeah, really he's, is. Well,
1: he's like making businesses. Like anytime he hears a tip, he's like pinball, like pinball is now legal in California. I'm going to start a pinball arcade, you know, waterbeds yeah. beds are, are now an invention. I'm going to start a waterbed company, you know? Yeah. I'm always um, trying
0: to like stay ahead of everybody else.
1: Yeah, but like, you know, Macaulay Tolkien didn't figure that stuff out, you know? like
0: <laughs> That's fair, yeah. The,
1: the two Corys didn't figure that stuff out. River Phoenix didn't figure that stuff out, you know? Like, so, I mean, that's the, the way I see movies is like there's always uh, the way you can, like,
0: watch it. What you pull from it.
1: Well, I mean, this is probably the closest uh, stupid-to-be-stupid-or-silly movie that he has in his filmography. Everything else is deals with pretty heavy themes and i that's the thing i love the most about this movie like i said is it was it it, you don't have to think too much and you don't have to like consider you know capitalism or whether or not it's you know a a necessary evil like in there will be blood or you know forgiveness Mm -hmm. like whether it's too late to forgive somebody for something they did to you like in magnolia um it's like come along for this ride like remember when you know the 70s is hip time in the u.s was happening like yeah we had our problems back then too like it's 2020 and but in the 70s things weren't great either and we still had like found a way to like find love find happiness find you know yeah. like fun t- stuff to do find ways to in- reinvent ourselves with businesses you know i mean like they talk about Vietnam in the, in the movie. They talk about the gas crisis. You know, they, you couldn't be a homosexual politician in in the 1970s. Like, that seems crazy to me. That's all, like my parents were born in 69. You know, and yeah. this movie happens after they were born. And it's nuts to me to think, like, there was a time within my parents' lifetime that you couldn't be a homosexual politician. Or you couldn't really be a homosexual anybody. Without like being a, yeah. considered a pariah, you had like, to keep persecuted it a as, as some sort. And that's yeah. the thing about this movie that I love is that it highlight it hints at like, you know, the seventies weren't perfect either. Man, we like we had Nixon, we had you yeah. know JFK had been assassinated only a year before, and you know there's still hope. There's still stuff to find the good in, and he. By far yeah, absolutely. this movie out of his filmography is the one that has the most hope in it.
0: Yeah. I mean, I and now that you say that, you know, when you talk about the seventies, like it is one of those really interesting things that I think, you know, with the way that the, the generations are to come now, you know, people are more sensitive about things. And I think it's really interesting that film is like one of the only mediums that can it could go back to like the glory days. And still highlight some of those things that, yeah. like some of those issues, and like people were like they were actually shying away from talking about that stuff during the '70s in film and in TV and stuff. And now, like, film is one of those transcendent things that I, I think it puts you in the shoes, and you you can always go back. But now, like, when you watch it, you're like, okay, this is what happened. Like, this is accurate. Like, this is what things looked like. These are how people acted. This is everything you need to know but also we're going to highlight some of the problems that they had. We're going to drop those for you to like figure out on your own. So like you can go back and you can have these reminders of like how we can, we can be different and how like things can be different. And like, you know, you see those things like um, Congressman Wax and Matthew and, and problems like that. And you can see them as like things that can overcome because they are not that way no longer. Like we don't have to treat them that way. And I, and I, I really like that about the film too. I, I like the fact that like it really takes you back. It throws you in the seventies, and especially for me, just just now moving to LA because I've only been here for a couple months, probably like wow, eight I didn't know that. total, maybe a little less than that. Yeah, because when I lived in LA previously, it was pre-COVID, so I uh-huh. did get to see pre-COVID LA, yeah. which was very <laughs> it's different. different. Um, but at the time, yeah, but at the time, like that was right. only a four-month span. And even before that like I never got I didn't even get a credit. I didn't get my first credit before the pandemic. So like I I don't even know what like pre-covid professional right. set life is like. So it's just really really interesting to like see all that come into play. And I didn't know that the movie was shot during the pandemic, which yeah. makes sense to me too because like a lot of the a lot of the scenes that are are inside yeah. are very confined because I I guess like that's all they could do. And then outside of that it's bare
1: and i mean that that's the yeah. thing with him man like he just like he comes up with projects in his head it's not like oh this is my new masterpiece or whatever like i don't feel like making a like you know yeah any filmmaker worth the salt or her salt will, is is like whatever i have to do to make this like that's what i'm gonna do like i'm not whether whether i have to go the traditional yeah. route or not like I, for my own sanity, this thing has to get out of my head. Like this cartoon I'm writing, I, I have told my wife multiple times. It's like, it's like a sneeze. I can't get out, you know, like, I once the, once it's out, maybe I don't, maybe I just throw it in the trash, but like, I have to, I have to get the sneeze out because I can't stand not having it out of my head.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I totally understand too, because like, I feel that way about doing this podcast you know like i we only have like 10 episodes out we haven't always had like the most reliable schedule but in the back of my head like i know like this is a project that i want to continue and i want it to grow and i want to like i mean i I mean i love this like i'm glad like we got to sit like sit down and have this chat even if it was over zoom like I mean, amazing, you know, that we can do that and just sit down and have a conversation about a movie because I feel like film bleeds into a lot of other aspects of people's lives. It's just one of those things that yeah. everybody gets, I feel like. And so like, I feel like when I talk to somebody um, like yourself or somebody else who comes on and wants to talk about film about a certain movie and like, I mean, think about this, like we were we were pulling out power struggles and 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 things like that. And those are just like, they're really transcendent topics that sometimes they don't resonate with people unless you right. have that illustration. Like,
1: some people don't, they, you know, they don't want to go to the I movies I think, that's to amazing. think. And the, you know, these, those people shouldn't be um, castigated. Like, they, they, you know, they, some people just want to go to the movies because they just want to stare at pretty stuff for two and a half hours and not think too much. And that's cool. But, you know, the, there's a different, There, there's so many avenues with film where you can if you're a person that likes to think you want to get like told something or like thought of something like by somebody that you admire like Paul Thomas Anderson then you know you can go watch a movie and be like what did what was he what was he trying to say and that's the first thing that popped in my mind like the the very the very first time it pops in my mind in the movie this is a god honest truth is when the photographer at the beginning like probably 10 minutes in the movie when alana meets gary valentine and she's like walking talking yeah walking it all smacks her ass. ass that's the first thing yeah. i realized was like oh this movie is about power structures like this movie is about how people yeah. wield power over another like in in today's world 2022 that that guy that photographer would, wouldn't have a job almost instantly it would have been done. like we're it talking about the 70s we're talking yeah, yeah. about like a man dominated world man dominated pretty much every industry and this 25 year old attractive girl is between this 15 year old boy that's trying to like romance her and this 30 plus 40 year old dude that's you know like basically saying like i own you
0: gosh that you know and i I think i think that's the one thing that um alana just like i was just like i just wanted to shake her i was like i was like you obviously like you have so many talents like she's also like helping gary with like they're not all just his ideas you know and there's like in it there are several examples throughout the movie that you're like alana is a very like like she knows what she's doing. She backs the truck down several (laughs) mountains. I could not do that. She, um, she's like completely successful in um, helping with the campaign. And like any other, like half-baked idea that Gary has had, I feel like she is like been a driving force to flesh that out too. And that goes like, there are a lot of times that goes unnoticed. I mean, she uses like
1: her whole sexuality to, to convince the guy on the phone with the waterbed and i mean she asserts her power in that scene like and basically says like i understand where my power comes from it comes from my sexuality and like in this particular instance i'm going to show you like i think she says like if you tell me to make it sexy i'm gonna horny is her exact words (laughs) so i mean everybody has their own like the buttons that they press like in order to get what they want and that's and that's when you talk about power structures, you, you you know, you like everybody's trying to like figure out what buttons can I press in order to get what I want.
0: Yeah. And it gives you those examples of like the different sort of levels of the hierarchy of power. Like you get like yeah. your child actor and then you have like you're in between with Sean Penn. And then, um, yeah, Tom Waits' character. Yeah. Who's like you can see how they use their power. And how they like showcase it to the world because they all have very different attitudes yeah it stops the whole
1: restaurant he he tells everybody at the restaurant like you you can let your state get cold like this is what we're doing tonight this is a famous actor that's in your restaurant like your night's gonna change because i'm gonna make it change
0: all right so there was a little uh technical malfunction there thank you maintenance man um But yeah, we were interrupted in our wonderful conversation about licorice pizza. Um, so, yeah, I'm curious. So um, I know we talked about, you know, like you should go see it and um, check it out. Absolutely. Um, but I'm I'm curious to know, like if you were going to give it a grade, you know, everybody doesn't like giving grades and things like that. But w- what would you grade this movie and why?
1: Yeah, I'm really weird about giving grades to movie that I like. I like watching and recommending movies in a vacuum because like, um, you know, like, You watch stuff like sometimes for different reasons like sometimes you watch something because you want to like feel uh you know uplifted sometimes you want to watch like something scary because you kind of feel titillated or you want to watch something that's like nostalgic that will wash over you and just like be like a nice drink of kool-aid in the you know hot summer sun um so i'm really weird about that stuff but if I had to give a grade, I would just give it an A. Like I wouldn't give it an A minus okay. because I think you know it deserves better than that, but I wouldn't give it an A plus because it's Paul Thomas Anderson and he has better movies yeah. than this, without a doubt. Yeah. Um, if you want to see a true masterpiece done by him, There Will Be Blood is a perfect movie. It is it. a masterpiece. Um, yeah. uh, I feel I that did. way about Magnolia, even though I know it is a flawed movie and he even admits that it probably goes too long and he probably didn't edit it well enough, but like, there's some times where I want I, I want to watch a movie that's like where the characters are so uh, there's they're so flawed and they're so um, empathetic that like I have to watch that movie just to feel like Paul um, Philip Seymour Hoffman's like vulnerability in it, or even Tom yeah. Cruise's vulnerability in that movie. Um, so, yeah, I would, I would give it a straight A across the board, you know, like, no, okay. no you know, like, no, 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 overly, uh, you know, heaps of praise, but no nothing under an A. I don't think it deserves under an A.
0: Okay. Yeah, that's fair. I, you okay. know, I, that's the tough thing about, like, grading, but I just, I really like to know how other people feel. Like, I really, because it's such a subjective thing. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. That's why it's it's yeah. weird for me to give grades. Like and I also like I can find value in oh well, you know, terrible movies for instance. Like no, I'm going to see the, too. I'm going to see 355 tomorrow and I know it's going to suck, but I'll find something
0: to like about it. I mean, I'm sure there'll be some like I'm sure there'll be some pretty good action in there. You yeah. Know? <laughs> yeah. To save the least like good set pieces, everything like that. I'm not going there wanna... to look for like a, a eye-opening story. You know yeah yeah cool um all right um i think we're about out of time cool um but dude thanks so much for coming on like i, I really Anytime. appreciate the conversation yeah um and uh serving up cinema like uh we're available on all uh streaming platforms we're on apple podcast spotify uh google Podcasts. um i uh there's gonna be more episodes of the future obviously uh with caroline and miguel um and we're gonna have more guests uh, like Colter on. And
1: thanks, thanks for having me, movies. dude. I can't wait to can't wait to listen to it and, and all the others. Absolutely,
0: ones. dude. I, I, anyway. I'm not sure. I'm not sure when these all will drop because yeah, um, they're kind of all over the place. But I'll be sure to let you know.